Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the One Out of One podcast. I currently have a sleeping baby in my arms. Sleeping baby likes sound. Sleeping baby is not super fond of the TV at the moment, so I'm going to record a podcast episode while he sleeps. So I think those of you who follow me on YouTube and Rumble and shoot even here have noticed that I've picked up a new pet project, Refuting Islam. I, you guys have seen already that I've talked about Islam and I've talked about uh, Mormonism. And I will love to get to Mormonism some more later because one of the things I've told people before, I love Glenn Beck. I think that Glenn Beck does a really good job at searching for truth. I think he does a good job at uncovering things that have been hidden and uh, seeing corruption very obviously when it's present. I just don't know why he doesn't apply it to his religious beliefs. Same thing goes for Islam. Islam is one of the easiest to refute religions in the world. And it's become so pervasive. And as you guys know, if you search the word Islam, you're going to get hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of Muslim sites that are speaking in defense of Islam. If you search the word Christian, you get a few Christian sites and you'll get plenty of websites that are antagonistic against Christians. I think you guys have seen this. It doesn't take much to figure out. Uh, But for some reason, Islam seems to go unopposed from time to time. And it's been unopposed for a while. Now, I'll give you a super brief snapshot of something of Islam. So if you don't want to hear this, I'm going to keep this under one minute. This is a super quick recap of the books that Islam holds to. I think the holy books are a great way to study a religion because where else are they going to get truth from? But if you already know a little bit about Islam, you can skip the next one minute. For those of you who don't know, here's the fill-in. Okay, uh... Islam holds to three sets of holy books. The Quran, which is direct revelation from God to Muhammad, supposedly. The Hadiths, which are the records of the life of Muhammad. And conditionally, the Bible. Uh, Islam believes that, especially Moses and Jesus, but also the others, but specifically Moses and Jesus, were prophets of God and were given a revelation from God, but the Bible was corrupted over uh, centuries And so we don't have the correct words of God anymore. Therefore, it is more important for the Muslim to hold to the Quran and the Hadiths. All right. So the issue with that is they are not able to prove the mass amount of corruption needed in order to support their claims. But that is a topic for another day. The main thing that we're focusing on today is the Quran. Okay. So now that we've done a little one minute recap. One of the big defenses, if you've ever had a conversation or seen a conversation that a Muslim has had with someone who's challenging their faith, one of the big defenses that they use is that in the Quran, there are multiple uh, scientific claims that there's no way Muhammad could have known on his own. Therefore, the fact that he knows them is miraculous. God had to give those to him because there's no way that he would know those things. So therefore... We know the Quran is trustworthy. And I'll be fair. I say this about the Bible. 
For example, in the Psalms, you have uh, this mention of the springs of the deep, talking about at the bottom of the ocean, there are these springs of water. It seems kind of funny at first, until you find out that they actually do exist. There are springs of water at the bottom of the ocean. So we can look at that and we can say, wow, that's incredible. I mean, and as far as we know, there's no technology that would allow them to see that far down. So either this is a surprisingly accurate metaphor that was being used during the Bible times, or perhaps the psalmist had some divine help and understanding. But what about uh, the Quran? The issue with the scientific claims in the Quran falls under three categories. First, Either they are super obvious things that are really easy to figure out, or they're somewhat maybe-ish true, but also somewhat maybe-ish false, which would go against the Quran saying that it is completely without fault. Uh, This is written in the Quran itself. Or the third, and I would say most often what happens, uh, it's just outright incorrect. And what will happen is, is you'll see, like, well, show in today's example, which is the most popular example used to refute Islam. Uh, there are tons of Muslim apologists who will try to explain away these big, glaring scientific issues in the Quran, and they'll do it really terribly. And oftentimes what happens is the refuting is worse than the original claim. So... If you want to read along with me, you can either grab a physical copy of the Quran if you have one, which if you want to learn more about this religion, why you shouldn't believe it, and you want to help convince people to either not go to it, which is my main goal, or try to bring people out of it, you can also go to theclearquran.com. It is just clearquran.com. So we're going to Surah, or chapter 86, And we're going to go through verses 5, 6, and 7. Okay? Now, I know that my Muslim critics are already screaming at me because of this. Because, of course, you would go there first. Everyone goes there first. And it's such an easy one to refute. Mm, We'll see about that. All right. So we're going to start at verse 5. And we're going to read to verse 7. Let man consider what he was created from. He was created from gushing liquid issuing from between the backbone and the breastbones. All right, so immediately, and I've heard this over and over and over from multiple uh, critics of Islam, that this surah is claiming that, and and this is why this episode has an explicit mark, okay, one of the reasons, it seems like these verses are claiming that semen is formed between the ribs and the backbone, Uh, is that true? Take take, take a moment. It's, it says uh, some translations say ribs, some say breastbone, and I believe that the more accurate one is breastbone. But we'll we'll use ribs. We'll use ribs as well. Okay, you know, take your finger and follow up to where your ribs are. Okay, and then follow where the backbone is. Okay. And if you want to do breastbone, because breastbone, I believe, is more accurate, do that as well. 
Check on yourself where it's at. Now ask yourself, question number one, is that where semen is formed? Anywhere around there? Question number two. I have heard a defense recently that caught me off guard because I'd never heard it before. That this is actually not talking about semen. This is talking about when mankind is born. When they are formed inside of the mother. And so therefore, this isn't talking about semen. This is talking about the whole man himself. Well, ladies, let me ask you this. Where is your uterus located? Now, I'm providing you two sources in the description of this podcast so that you can go check it yourself. Uh, but I've, I'm providing you two sources that explain things about both the male and the female reproductive systems. Because no matter what, obviously this is talking about reproduction. So whether or not it's uh, talk, whether or not verse seven saying issuing from between the backbone and the breastbone, whether that's talking about the man being listed in verse five or from the gushing liquid in verse six, regardless of which one it is, it's talking about the reproductive systems. So let's look at these two sources and let's ask ourselves if there's any possible way that regardless of which one we're talking about, if this could be accurate. So the first one is Healthline here. So we've got the Healthline article talking about the male reproductive system. You can look first at the overview. A man's reproductive system is specifically designed to produce, store, and transport sperm. Unlike the female genitalia, the male reproductive organs are on both the interior and exterior of the pelvic cavity. And it just gives you a rundown of all of the different things you could expect. You've got the testicles. You've got the duct system, which includes the epididymis and the vas deferens, which is a sperm duct, if I'm not pronouncing those correctly. Uh, zip it. And then we've got the accessory glands, which are the seminal vesicles and the prostate gland. Now, I have heard, I have heard recently uh, some Muslim apologists saying that if this was talking about the seminal vesicles, that this could be talking about, uh, or, or if this was talking about semen, it could be talking about the seminal vesicles and not the actual sperm itself. And then, of course, you got the penis. Now, question, is any of that located between the breastbone or the ribs and the backbone? Any of it? Is any of it located between those? No, all of it, every single bit of it is significantly lower all of that would be significantly lower than between the breastbone or the ribs and the backbone. So if it was talking about the male reproductive system, then there is no way that you could possibly say that that's accurate. Well, let's take the apologist definition and say that it's about the female reproductive system where the human being itself is formed in the mother's womb. And like I asked, ladies, where is your uterus located? Is it located between your ribs and 
your backbone. This time we're going to hopkinsmedicine.org. And this shows you the anatomy of the female pelvic area. Where is that uterus located? Significantly lower than even the lowest rib. So let me ask you again, if this was talking about the female reproductive system, could this at all be accurate according to the Quran? No, there's no way it could. Very good. Good job. Good job. I'm very proud of you. All right. One more thing, because I heard this one, and this one I think was the dumbest one. Now, I cannot speak to this. I try to stay out of science stuff that I don't know. I will do science as far as I find myself capable, and then when I'm not capable, I will back off and say, I am not sure. I will need to defer to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. But I've heard as well that this could be talking about when a uh, when a male baby is in the womb, that their testicles are formed inside of their body up in the chest cavity. And that they eventually move their way down slowly towards the scrotum. So therefore, it would be between the ribs and the backbone. Now, if that was true, because I'm not 100% positive on that, I'm a little confused by it, but let me ask you this. Does that make sense with verse 6? He was created from gushing liquid. We're talking about the man's creation. Not from his own gushing liquid creation. We're talking about when he was created himself, which means that using an understanding of like when... uh, the male testes are created before birth makes no sense according to this passage. So therefore we've looked at three possibilities and all three of them do not make sense in the Quran. Now, as the baby is waking up, I'm going to go ahead, get going to go ahead and have to wrap up. This is both used as the most common, uh, refutation of Islam. And one of the, refutations of Islam that Muslim apologists say is the easiest to refute. But we've just walked through three possibilities of what this could mean in the Quran, and none of the three of them work according to the text. This happens all the time in Islam. We haven't even gotten to the one where the mountains are fixed pegs that stabilize the earth. We haven't even gotten to that one yet. But this is the easiest one to look at. I've just given you the three explanations that I have heard, and I've, I've seen multiple people use these three explanations uh, to explain away why this is not an issue in Islam. Does it make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me at all. I actually find it to be more 
ridiculous and childish the more that I looked into it. And for a little bit, I was stuck. And I actually conceded to the person on um, uh, on Twitter when they posted. It was a, they posted a uh, YouTube short that explained the position about this being the man being created, meaning that we're talking about the female reproductive system. And I said, okay, well, first, I'm shocked that you actually provided a source because you haven't for anything you've said so far. But second, I'm going to have to say that I don't know what to do with this because I don't know Arabic. So I can't confirm or deny that verse seven is talking about verse five or verse six. But then I was thinking about it this morning and I realized, wait, it doesn't matter. It's still incorrect, no matter which reproductive system you're talking about. Every single scenario that I've been given by Muslim apologists does not hold up scientifically. Therefore, whatever refutation you give, you have to ask yourself, does it line up with reality while keeping the, uh, keeping the standard, the standard isn't what I'm looking, keeping the integrity of the text of the Quran? None of them work. So then I ask you, what faith do you have in the Quran? As we go through this, I'll continue to do a few more topics, a few more uh, different reasons why I find the Quran and Islam to be the least believable of the other religious systems. But for now, I think that's a good place to leave off. So wherever you see this, let me know what you think. Let me know which one you think is probably the one that's most likely to be used if you were to bring up this passage. And uh, let me know if this makes sense to you, or if you've heard another theory. If you've heard another theory, please drop it here. I am all about learning and researching, and I am all about pointing out if I'm wrong. But so far, if it's one of the three of these theories that I've been presented so far, I see no evidence. All right. Thank you guys very much. And I will see you later, homies. Peace out.